We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, the QB carnage continues only. This time it includes the league's brightest star. It was a devastating Thursday night game for both the Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. KC blowing out Denver 30-6, to but the biggest loss one can have, they suffered. Good morning, everyone. It's Friday. It's Home and Home, radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire. It's a dislocated kneecap for Patrick Mahomes, the league's defending MVP and brightest star, Matt Moore comes in. They beat up the Broncos, pounding Joe Flacco, stifling Philip Lindsay and company. 30 to 6 is your final. So much to get to on this Friday. Uh, we are going to go to the home markets of the Eagles and Cowboys to preview that outstanding and pivotal Sunday night matchup. We'll also have Kevin Millar in this hour talking about the ALCS, a huge win for the Astros. They feel like they're going to put away the Yankees by later tonight. And we will go to the home market of the Chiefs. Carrington Harrison uh, joins us from KC with the latest on their star quarterback who's set to undergo an MRI today to find out if there is ligament damage. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker on the road preparing for a college football broadcast. And of course, we start with the biggest story in sports, Patrick Mahomes. We'll get to all the long-term implications and what this means in the big picture. Let's start with the instant reaction and the short term. I watched that injury. My son says, Dad, Madden curse is real. I can't deny that. The reaction of an 11-year-old kid. All of Twitter seemed to react and say, well, this is on Andy Reid. Shouldn't be calling a quarterback sneak with an injured quarterback or those that said Thursday night football should not be played. Ross Tucker, can we dismiss with both of those immediate and ridiculous reactions? All of them. All of them are ridiculous. Uh, the Madden curse is ridiculous, although... Highly coincidental. Highly coincidental. I will grant you that. I mean, do you know who was on the Madden curse? You know who was on the Madden cover last year, Dave? A.B. Antonio Brown. He was on the cover last year, and this offseason was not a good one for him, even the end of last year, really. Now you have Patrick Mahomes this year. And so, first of all, I don't think the Madden curse is real. But it's highly coincidental. There are years where nothing happens to the guy that's on the Madden cover, but you have to like count those on one hand. There's more years where something does happen to the guy on the Madden cover. That's number one. Number two, this has absolutely nothing to do with Thursday Night Football. Anyone that says that should just probably keep their mouth shut and risk being everyone knowing that they're totally illogical it had literally nothing to do with Thursday night football. As far as the Andy Reed call, a, 
had nothing to do with that either. Now, a quarterback sneak, you do put your quarterback, I guess, in a little bit of harm's way. But Tom Brady's probably run 100 quarterback sneaks at least the last 20 years. Now, if Mahomes got hurt, Dave, because when he pushed off his injured left ankle or he got that left ankle rolled up in the pile, that's different. Then that would be on Andy Reid to me. What happened was he fell down after he got the first down. Something The weight fell down on him and his kneecap popped out. That could happen any quarterback sneak ever. That could happen any day ever. I think this is systemic or maybe systematic. I don't know what the right word is. You tell me, Dave. But systemic. it's systemic of our society, right? We want, we need to blame somebody. We need to have – we cannot accept that things happen in life and that when you play a contact sport, there are consequences, there are risks, and people get hurt. We cannot accept that. I need someone day breaks to blame. I have a finger, and I want to point this finger at somebody. Let me know who I should point the finger at. That is America in 2019, and I hate it. Shit happens, okay? The guy got hurt. It sucks. It sucks. I, I, I'm not happy he's hurt because the, there's really only two options here, Dave. One is that he has surgery and he's out for the year. That'd be awful. The other one is he doesn't elect to have surgery yet and rehabs it for three or four weeks, comes back and tries to play out the rest of the year with a big bulky brace to try to keep, keep the kneecap in place because he tore the ligament that holds the kneecap in. So you're really trying to have that brace keep it in place, and he's not going to be the same kind of player. He's not going to be able to be as athletic, as dynamic, as mobile. And it has a really high chance of recurrence. It sucks either way. Look, I was going to make the argument last night watching him that they should make every Patrick Mahomes game nationally televised. Like, every time he's on, that should be one of the games that the entire country can watch in their home market. He is that entertaining. He is that must-see TV. And yet, here we are where he either isn't going to play, or if he does, highly unlikely he's going to be the same caliber of player. It stinks for us, and it really stinks for the Chiefs. Many feel Patrick Mahomes is the sole reason NFL ratings rebounded last season. To your point, he is electric. He is as entertaining as we've ever seen an NFL player. So he's also the fastest player to reach 7,500 yards. Accomplished that last night, just 25 games in to his starting career. Astounding. He actually appeared in the locker room, taking part in his team's post-game cheer. He actually appeared on Twitter as well uh, and said this. Popped back in, led post-game cheer. Says, awesome team win. Love my brothers. Thank you for all the prayers. Everything looking good so far. Again, that is all contingent on MRI that would show no ligament damage. That should happen at some point today if it has not happened already. Uh, his coach, Andy Reid, talked about uh, the injury, the call that some criticized him for that we can dismiss, and the health of the pivotal quarterback. Listen. 
All right. Um, just as far as the injuries go, I, the main one is, uh, and the only one, it was Patrick. Um, and we'll just, we'll wait till we get back to give you further evaluation on it. Um, and I'll just leave it, I'll leave it at that. I'll, I'll tell you, it was, Matt did a nice job of stepping in there. And um, we didn't have to really back down on anything we, we had called. We were able to just pick up from right, right where we left off. And, and uh, I was proud of him. You know, he's not getting any younger. So for him to get in there uh, and do what he did, he, he did a heck of a job. Yeah, no, that was a call play, yeah. Yeah, that was a call. Probably shouldn't have called it, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, we dismissed with that. Fine call. Shit happens. In the short term, Ian Rappaport reports three weeks is the best case scenario. That would be surprising. The guy's a freak of nature. We've all seen that on his brief career. He is a freak of nature. Three weeks would be highly unusual. Let's just say it is. They've got Green Bay. They've got Minnesota. Both home games. Both games they would be big underdogs in with Matt Moore at the helm. Probably lose those two football games. At Tennessee, at the Chargers, could go either way. You could easily see them going one and three in that stretch. They get to a bye in week 12. I think best case scenario, look at him coming back. Let's call it December 1st against Oakland. What does that mean to the Chiefs season? What does that mean to their Super Bowl chances to say the least? They'd have to go through New England to get to the Super Bowl, Ross. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty much over. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I don't think that they have any chance to get home field advantage. That's going to be New England's. I think right now, just off the top of my head, I would put them behind the Houston Texans. They just lost to the Houston Texans. And even if Mahomes comes back, he's not the same guy. They would probably have to play in Houston because I don't think that the Chiefs are going to be able to rally to get one of the top two seeds no matter how long Patrick Mahomes is out. So realistically, uh, unless they can get to the point where he plays in a month, they win that division, and he and Andy Reid figure out with a healthy offensive line they get Eric Fisher and Andrew Wiley back on the left side. They have a healthy Sammy Watkins. Then maybe, maybe he gives him a puncher's chance, Dave, with that golden right arm of his. But the problem is they would have to win three playoff games rather than just two. And at least two of them would have to be on the road more than likely. That's asking a lot. Now, at this point, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, all the Chiefs would tell you all they would want is a shot. All they would want is that opportunity, that chance to get to the playoffs and then see what happens from there. But I think that there are some really interesting decisions to be made. I've read everything Dr. David Chow, the former Chargers team orthopedic, has said on this. And there's going to be some tough decisions that need to be made in Kansas City because it sounds like yep. Dave he's going to have to have surgery one way or the other and at this point the only question is do they have the surgery ASAP and get him ready so he's fully healthy for the 2020 season or do they delay it until after the season which by the way it's like a six to nine month recovery 
So let's say they do go into mid-January. You know, then you're that then you're pushing the limits of whether or not he's fully healthy for the next year. There is a very high chance of recurrence. He could do more damage playing on it with a brace. These are high, high-level decisions between the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, his agent. And frankly, if I'm Clark Hunt, there's a good chance in my mind, Dave, that I take this out of Patrick Mahomes and maybe even the trainer's hands and the doctor's and I put him on ice for the rest of the year, and I get the surgery now and give him as much time as possible to heal before next year, because I'm thinking I have somebody awfully special for the next 10 plus years, and it's not worth risking him coming back in a month with a heavy brace and the chance of recurrence and more damage and having him try to go ahead and, and give us a chance, which is at this point, especially if he's out for a month, you detailed the schedule, very unlikely that they would be able to go on a run to the Super Bowl. And frankly, if they didn't get to the Super Bowl, the whole thing would be pointless. The whole thing would be a waste. So if you're really looking at this, Dave, you and I are smart guys, right? If you're really looking at this and you really broke down a cost-benefit analysis I'm telling you, if I own the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes would not play for the rest of the season. Of course, what we see is that division is winnable. Raiders have played well, but that was a real wake-up call for my Denver Broncos. After all, Matt Moore. Yes, Matt Moore has been in the league since 2007, but he goes out there and beats the Broncos. He goes 10 for 1,917 yards, that touchdown on the wheel route to the Cheetah. Uh, that is stunning. Uh, that Matt Moore, let's let's hear from Matt Moore before I get too much more depressed as a Bronco fan. Here's the guy that came in and saved the day. Yeah, football-wise, uh, a couple series. I think that was pretty evident. Um, you know, shorted, shorted some throws and missed some stuff, some some stuff that, you know, I think, we, you know, a quarterback should hit. But uh, kind of got into a real, little rhythm there as, as the game went on. And, and Coach Reed had a nice flow going with play calls and um, made, me, made me feel comfortable as we went on, yeah. Okay, so Matt Moore will be the 44th starting quarterback next weekend. The 44th of these 32 teams in the NFL. Yes, that is the QB carnage. Matt Moore's a 30-start guy in his career. He is 15 and 15, which is the perfect reflection of what he is as a quarterback. Thrown 45 touchdowns at 36 interceptions. Not a guy that's going to lead you to wins over Green Bay, Minnesota, as I mentioned. Out of that bye, they have Oakland, New England, Denver again, Chicago Chargers. Not an easy road. But what really wakes everyone up is how that Kansas City defense played last night. I sat here and was nervous yesterday as everyone said Denver has the perfect personnel to beat the Chiefs. That was certainly not the case. Denver runs for 70 yards after Kansas City allowed 190 yards on average the prior four weeks. They also crushed Joe Flacco, sacking him eight times. He fumbled three times. That's seven fumbles in seven games. He's coughed up, turned over three of them. That defense was a huge surprise, and you have to wonder if that's the reason that they do think in the short term now, Ross, because that suddenly looks like a defense that can keep you hanging around, certainly in that division. 
It does. It does, Dave. And like I got to tell you, man, I think I told you yesterday, you know, Nick Costos and I, we both loved the Broncos getting three and a half points. What a disappointment that was. Oof. I mean, and by the way, let me get Dave, this. They marched right down the field. Wow, you're going to the Bloody Mary already, huh? 30 to 6, man. Matt Moore, man. It's Bloody Mary Friday early. I love, by the way, I love that your Bloody Mary glass, for those of you that are not watching, matches your Colorado Buffalo t-shirt right now. Boulder t-shirt. That's amazing. See, you're one of those fancy pretty boys. Did you think of that, or is that totally coincidental? It's just the biggest glass I have. It's the only glass big enough to fit that much Bloody Mary. I only have one. Total coincidence. Got it, got it, got it. All right. So, but here's (laughs) the point, okay? I thought the Broncos, even with Mahomes healthy, had a decent chance to win that game last night. And I loved them with the three and a half points. And they went down the first drive. Dave was going to touchdown. They went right down the field. Now, they were helped by a couple of ridiculous Chiefs penalties. Ridiculous meaning they didn't need to do it. Frank Clark had a uh, pulling the face mask, which gave him a first down on third and eight. Brashad Breeland held on another third and eight. But still, Broncos marched on the first drive and scored a touchdown. I was surprised the Broncos' defense didn't play better, but I was disgusted by the Broncos' offense after that. I mean, Dave, they have to have the worst pair of offensive tackles in the NFL right now, in Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson. And when people start to talk about John Elway, and if it's time for the Denver Broncos organization to move on from John Elway, it's not just the quarterback position. It's also drafting guys like Garrett Bowles. And I must tell you, I did the evaluation of Garrett Bowles in college. I loved him. I thought he was awesome. I thought he would be a terrific NFL player. Boy, oh boy, was I wrong. He literally takes turns giving up sacks or getting holding penalties, except when he's really excited. But he does both on the same play. I mean, Dave, you got to be bad to hold and still give up a sack. That is hard to do. But that's Garibaldi. And I got to tell you, I'm watching every Broncos game for the rest of the year because Garrett Bowles makes me laugh. He has blatant holds. Like I give offensive linemen the benefit of the doubt. This dude has blatant holds. And then after they throw the flag on him, he looks at the ref like, what? I can't. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you called that. Like the guy is hilarious. He is legitimately hilarious. Like he can't believe that they're calling blatant holds on him for the fourth time in the same game. It's amazing. It's like when I was living in Chicago and I would watch Jay Cutler post-game press conferences because he was so hilariously dismissive of the reporters. I'm going to watch Broncos games or at least get a cut-up of Garrett Bowles' post-hold reactions. It's unbelievable. And you combine Mm. the worst tackles in the NFL, Dave, with Joe Flacco. And I actually think Joe Flacco is okay. You know, he's fine. He is what he is. He's Joe Average. But, yeah, he's but Joe what Average. he's not, he is not mobile. He has no. the worst 
pocket press. Like, he made a bunch of good throws, but his pocket presence, his pocket mobility is heinous. Horrendous, heinous. I can go a lot of H words that sound like that if you want. I mean, I never see anything like it. You know, the same way that Bowles alternates between sacks and holds, Flacco alternates between sacks and fumbles. And sometimes, if things want to get really exciting, he gives you both. I mean, I, that that was a brutal game to watch. I have a Broncos fan, Dave, a buddy of mine, that lives in central Pennsylvania where I live. And he texted me and said last night, at this point, I just want them to lose every game and put Drew Locke in as soon as possible to see what he can do and get the highest draft pick possible. Drew Locke is not enough to save John Elway. These are the quarterbacks. Drafted Brock Osweiler, Zach Dyser, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Chad Kelly, Drew Locke, who may come back. He's signed and traded for Mark Sanchez, Brock Osweiler again, Case Keenum, and now Joe Flacco. And the columnist uh, there in Denver, Mark Kisler, who covers the Broncos, says it's time for the one quarterback he had that was good, Peyton Manning, to take over for John Elway. The Elway era has to have come to a close. He has been a debacle when it chooses a starting quarterback. Troy Aikman didn't like the offense either. Calling the game said this is about as bad an offense as I've seen. I'm shocked. There's as many people still here at the game. They were 1-13 on third down. Noah Fant was a disaster. The fake punt call by the Broncos in a 10-6 game early in the second quarter, as bad a call as you can get. I am flat out depressed. It is an ugly morning here for the Broncos fans and for Chiefs fans. I'm just going to take a sip of my Bloody Mary and let you go for a minute, Ross. No, I'm I'm with you. Um, you know what? You know what you need to do, Dave? You need to hire someone ah. to go ahead and make your Bloody Marys. I mean, I, I don't blame you. It's ZipRecruiter. Cafe El Toro CEO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. He found him on ZipRecruiter. Maybe you can find a Bloody Mary connoisseur. Although I guess you already are. Maybe a Bloody Mary specialist. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, Dave. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. All right, game of the week, Sunday night football, Eagles at the Cowboys, both teams in desperate times, three and three in big time need of a win. Let's debate it. 
with two of our Radio.com affiliates. First, Kevin Hagland in Dallas, 105.3 The Fan, and Ike Reese, former Pro Bowl linebacker with the Eagles and host at WIP. Great to have you on, fellas. Let's start with you, Ike, because your coach, Doug Peterson, he went and made the non-guarantee guarantee, said they're going to go there and win. Why are the Eagles going to win in Dallas? Well, I, I think I think if you if you just look at the teams as far as where they stand right now, uh, the Eagles, even though they've been up and down and inconsistent, uh, at least more recently, they played a little bit more consistent brand of football, winning two out of their last three games. So, and, and you look at where the Cowboys stand from an injury standpoint, who may be available versus who won't be available. Uh, the guys that the Eagles more than likely won't have available to them. They've been without those guys for the last month or so, and they may even get Jalen Mills back for this game. The guys that the Cowboys have been without, they still may be without those guys, and I think that's had a lot to do with why they haven't won uh, very much in the last three games. So uh, if things stand the way that they are right now, I just think the Eagles are in better position from a, a health standpoint uh, to sort of be able to come out with a victory on the road, a, a tough victory on the road. Kevin, you're awfully banged up. Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith, in particular, Amari Cooper. That one might be the biggest. Won't probably know until this weekend. How much will that impact the Cowboys? How do they win this game? You might not know until this weekend, but I'll tell you right now, I think there's a pretty decent shot that you're going to be without all three of them. So both your right tackle and your left tackle and your wide receiver. The one good thing about even if Amari is out is, I mean, you saw what Kirk Cousins, who I think a lot of us would agree, not that I want to get cut from the Eagles, but a lot of us would agree <laughs> is mediocre at best. And so being without Amari hopefully will not be as much of a detriment to the Cowboys as it has been in the last couple of weeks. And then they might be able to offset the loss of the tackles with a little bit more play action, which is what everybody in the Metroplex has been praying for the last three weeks. Yeah, right, go I, ahead. I, Sounds like you have a response. Well, no, I can I can assure you they won't have a problem throwing the ball this weekend. Yeah, they they, <laughs> they won't have a problem throwing the ball this weekend. Yeah. But can Michael I, I Gallup think... catch the ball is my question. Well, here, here's the funny thing with these two teams, right? I think they're both either first and second or either first and third in drop passes this year. So you got you got both offenses dealing with inconsistency at the wide receiver position, being able to hold on to the football. Uh, obviously, when you go into a game against the Cowboys, stopping Ezekiel Elliott is the first thing that you must do. So, and the Cowboys run the ball very well. They were able to run the ball last week against that Jets defense. Going up against this Eagles defense, which is number two in the league against the run, I think it's going to be a tough task. And if the Cowboys are able to have success running the football, which will set up their play action, then I think the Eagles are going to be in trouble. And Jim Schwartz, Jim Schwartz is going to have to come up with a game plan that he has, in my opinion, he has to give these cornerbacks some help. Um, they, they aren't very fast on the outside. They're undisciplined with their eyes often beat on double moves. They don't necessarily play the ball very well when it's in the air at the point of contesting it. And so I think Jim Swartz is going to be caught between a rock and a hard place because you want to be able to stop Ezekiel Elliott, but I don't know if you can do it with a six or seven man front. And I certainly don't believe these guys can hold up on the outside covering these wide receivers uh, if they don't have safety help over the top. That was the biggest issue last week. They stopped Dalvin Cook 
and uh, held them to under three, uh, under four point uh, yards per carry. Mm-hmm. But they gave up the big plays in the passing game because there was so much attention devoted to trying to slow down Dalvin Cook in that Minnesota rushing game. Kevin, they'd like to establish Zeke Elliott. How do you do with these low starts? You trailed 31 to three against Green Bay, 21 to six against the Jets. What's the deal with the slow starts? How do you overcome that? You know, that's if I had a good answer for what the deal is with the slow starts, even Coach Garrett, in his magical Coach Garrettness ways, said that it's just a matter of executing better. And to a certain extent, some of those drops by Gallup and a couple of the penalties early killed the Cowboys in the last game. But another thing to keep an eye out on Zeke, watch and see if they run a couple more hesitation runs. Because if you go back and watch the all 22, there was one run in particular where he did get the first down, but if he can hold that split second longer and cut around, it was either Frederick or Martin, instead of cutting inside, he's gonna break it 75 yards to the house. And that might be the kind of play that the Cowboys need to establish the run and break the string of slow starts all in one burst. And and the most important thing for Philly might be getting some pressure on Dak Prescott. Certainly doesn't perform with pressure the way he does without it. Who does? But 10 sacks against the Jets, only four in the other five games combined. Can they get pressure on Dak Prescott? They're going to have to. And they they haven't been able to get uh, pressure consistently all year long with the exception of that Jets game. I mean, listen, when you got Luke Falk back there, and the issues that Jets' offensive line was having at that time. I mean, you almost got to throw that game out and look at what they've done in the other five games, and that tells you the true story of what this pass rush has been like, and it hasn't been very good. They've been close to getting the quarterbacks, but they haven't been able to get the guys on the ground. And Dak has always posed a problem to this Eagles defense, and I really believe Dak is the X factor, not so much as getting him down in the passing game, but if Dak decides... He's going to be an extra runner uh, in that offense Sunday. I think that's why I'm a little concerned as well. This team, the Eagles, have struggled against the Cowboys. The Cowboys have had the Eagles' numbers when Ezekiel Elliott is playing. I don't think Zeke has lost to the Eagles in his career yet. And so um, this this game is, I, I think, it's, it's when I'm listening to Kevin talk about the things that L the, uh, the, the Cowboys – I'm like, man, it sounds like he's talking about the Eagles. Like that, Those are the same things that the Eagles are struggling with. You really do have two teams that mirror each other. I tell you what, I thought there'd be a lot of smack talk in this segment. Neither of you sound very confident at all. Jeez. Three weeks ago, I'd be ready to talk all the trash over the top four teams. Have you seen the – did you see the Jets game? Look, man, we're in trouble. He's right. You guys sound beaten down, Yeah, neither one of us have room to do a whole lot of bragging right now. Yeah, we. I think we both feel the same sort of anxiety going into this game. And that's because neither one of us know which team is going to show up Sunday night and how they're going to play. I cannot believe it. I mean, this is just total lack of confidence. All right, so it's a much different deal for the Cowboys, though. Uh, Kevin, because look, if you lose this game, It's hard to imagine Jason Garrett back next year. Not that they're going to fire him right now, but the rest of the way, Giants, Minnesota, Detroit, New England, Buffalo, Chicago, Rams, and Philly, there is no way they get to even nine wins if they lose this game. Is it essentially, in the long run, for Jason Garrett's job? 
I really do think it is because you're right. We were going over the schedule the other day, and the only gimme left on the schedule is the Redskins, who are objectively the second-worst team in the NFL. So if you lose this game, you're going to spiral out of playoff position. But the flip side is, even if you win this game, like making the playoffs is not going to save his job. A lot of people think uh, you make the playoffs in back-to-back years for the first time, and I think it would be 12 years. Oh, you're surely safe. I don't think so. Like, this is a team that started off 3-0, and and it was important because a lot of people think this is NFC Championship game or bust for Garrett, and if he doesn't make it there, he's going to be out. And I am one of those people who falls into that category as well. Just making it to the wild card round, not good enough. Making it to the divisional round and winning a divisional title, even I don't think that's good enough. So they need to win, not only to take control of the division and clean out the first sweep of the division, but to try to get some confidence back in this team if that coach wants to keep his job. we got to get some confidence back in these radio hosts. All right, last up. Uh, <laughs> hey, I confidently question. told you how he's going to get fired <laughs> if they don't win. That's confidence. Yeah. Not what I was banking on. All right, this question you weren't prepared for. Ike, we're going to start with you. Biggest celebrity Eagles fan, and we're going to size up the Cowboys' biggest celebrity fan. Figure if we can figure out this game via that. Ike, who's the biggest fan celebrity of the Eagles? Wow, got a couple to choose from. Uh, there's Bradley Cooper, there's Kobe Bryant, there's uh, yeah. wow, uh, you know what? Yep. I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with um, wow. You got Mike Trout. Man, I don't know who to go with. I'll go with – I don't want to insult any of those guys. I'll, I'll go with my favorite Eagles fan, and I'll go with Kobe Bryant. Well, that's a pretty good three. Maybe Kevin's got three to put up against Trout, against Kobe, and, and against one of the greatest actors in Hollywood, Bradley Cooper. Who you got, Kevin? Well, I might have to backtrack off of one of them because it was going to be LeBron James. But after the controversy <laughs> in China this week, I don't know if I want to put that forth anymore. But just think about it. Like, I only need the one, and it's whoever shows up in Jerry's box. It was former President George W. Bush. And then this week it was Ellen DeGeneres who set the world on fire by just showing up at the Cowboys game. So that's all you need to know. You know who's the biggest celebrity Cowboys fan? Whoever shows up because everybody cares. It's all eyes on Jerry's box, man. That was the final question at the Democratic presidential candidate debate <laughs> the other night. So, Ike, I think we got to give him that. Let's get a final score. There, there are a lot okay. of front-running. There are a lot of front-running cowboy fans out there. So you're right. I'll give him. Okay, that. I'm not here to dispute that. All right, I'm not here to dispute that. I know how our city works. All right, let's get some final scores. Ike, who wins? What's the score? Oh, I'm going Eagles to win this game. Let's go 24-20. Kevin, you're going to be super disappointed, and there's a good chance I'll never be invited back again. I say 27-17 Eagles. This is a Cowboys team that is spiraling. Their play action has dropped more than in half until I – I know. You're shocked. I'm shocked because I just had to write this prediction this morning, and everything I wrote led me to the Eagles. Unless Garrett magically changes it. You know what I know about Garrett? He don't change. So I'm going to pick the Eagles. I'm sorry, Cowboys Nation. How is that going to feel on Twitter this weekend? Enjoy that, Kevin. So lastly, here's the agreement. Whoever's team loses this game, and Kevin already said his will lose, has to go on the other radio show. Others radio show on Monday to take their lumps. Deal? I'm with that. I'll do that.
Yeah, if you oh. want to go ahead and give me your number right now, I'll jot it down. I'll be ready. <laughs> that sounds outstanding. All right, I Sorry, agree. Kevin Haglin, no confidence. We love you both. Check them out, WIP and 105 through the fan in Dallas. Thanks, fellas. Enjoy the game. Thanks for having me. That was cool, Dave. I liked it. That was really cool. I, I'm, I'm, I, I was, I was enthralled by that. I love the lack of confidence by both radio hosts, and especially uh, in the Cowboys saying that they're going to lose. I, I, by the way, I tend to agree. Although, it, you know, Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith were both out there at practice yesterday for the Cowboys. Amari Cooper's going to try to, I don't think they're going to play him Sunday night, but stranger things have happened. It is a very, very important game. I mean, gigantic for both teams. I tend to agree though. I'm kind of leaning to the Eagles as well, just because I don't think right now both tackles and Amari Cooper will play, but you never know if they're out there trying to practice on a limited basis, they might. I'm leaning Philly as well. I just think their biggest vulnerability is that banged up secondary. But without Amari Cooper, I don't see Dallas being able to take advantage of it. And it's those slow starts that have really crushed the Cowboys. Three straight losses. They've scored a combined nine first half points, an average of a field goal per first half each of the last three weeks. They have to establish Zeke Elliott. If they can't do it playing from behind, they're just playing catch up. Uh, that, that can't bode well for Dallas that we both are picking Philly. Uh, what's your final score? You know what's funny is I, you know, I, I go on WIP and Philly on the radio.com app right. a bunch, and they already asked me that, and I've said 24-20, which is exactly the score that Ike Reese just gave. So I'm switching it, Dave. I'm, I don't want to be the same as like I'm switching it. 23-20, Eagles. Okay, Dallas at this point, a field goal favorite. We're going to switch to baseball when we come back. How about the Houston Astros taking a commanding three games to one lead? We'll talk to Kevin Millar, the host of Intentional Talk on MLB Network. The Yankees' missed opportunities has been the theme of this series. Back after a quick break. Welcome back to Home and Home. Standing by for Kevin Millar of the MLB Network, host of Intentional Talk. Hopefully he's not... uh, making the turn down there on the golf course just yet. We'll try to reach him, talk about the huge win for the Houston Astros, pounding the Yankees 8-3. to three. We'll get Millar as soon as we can. But let's talk a little more about the biggest story in all of sports this morning, which, of course, is that dislocated kneecap. Patrick Mahomes, the reigning MVP, the most electric player in the NFL. The latest on Mahomes is at least three weeks out. That is the belief out of the Chiefs camp, but we don't know really anything until he has an MRI to see if there is ligament damage. That is everything. All of Kansas City holding their breath. We will go there and talk to Carrington Harrison about that situation next hour. But Ross, Matt Moore for now is the guy. Been in the league since 2007. He's a 15 and 15 quarterback. What should the Chiefs do? Where do you go at this point? Can you roll with Matt Moore and stay hanging around, perhaps even win the AFC West? Uh, I think it's going to be tough, Uh, even if it's best case scenario and he misses three weeks. I have a tough time picturing the Chiefs beating the Packers or the Vikings with Matt Moore. Now, both those games are home games. 
which is good. But the problem is the Chiefs have lost their last two home games. Now you're going to put Matt Moore in there. Now, I will say this. If the defense plays like they did last night, then they would have a chance. But I would say probably unlikely. Then you get a couple road games against the Titans and Chargers. Then you got to play the Raiders, who are probably, Dave, their chief competition in the AFC West at this point. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy when you think about it. I think they still would have a chance either way, if Mahomes comes back or not in the AFC West, but I just don't see it long term. It's kind of crazy. I don't know if you heard the story last night, but Matt Moore was at the Combine working for the Miami Dolphins as a scout. I mean, he had transitioned to the next phase of his career. He was done with playing. He got hired by the Dolphins as a scout, was at the Combine. So I guess it's good that he was still in football, but he wasn't doing anything until Chad Henney got hurt in the preseason and they called him. This should be Chad Henney's team, at least for the, the time being. So now Matt Moore's out there. He hadn't gotten very many reps and he's exactly what you described when you laid out the stats. I mean, that's that's what Matt Moore is. He's average and frankly not good enough to take this team. Could they still win the division? Maybe. Could they make damage in the playoffs? No, they could not do any damage in the playoffs. Although I'm not sure that that's that much different with a, with a banged up Mahomes. I mean, I think Mahomes obviously gave him a better chance in both those situations, but I still don't think it's a very good chance as we detailed earlier to win on the road in places like Houston and especially in new England. Certainly there will be whispers about he who we try not to mention too often, but certainly there will be some whispers about Colin no, I'm Kaepernick. Gonna mention I, I'm going to mention him. Because I'm, I'm glad you would, because I actually think, look, the skill set lends itself to this situation. Mobile quarterback, strong arm. What do you think of that and, and, and other trade possibilities? Uh, could it be a Case Keenum? Could it be, God forbid, an Eli Manning, a C.J. Beathard in San Francisco? What options are out there for them? Well, look, so I think... And I don't think in three years, Dave, I have mentioned the name Colin Kaepernick in such of a manner saying a team should sign Colin Kaepernick. And I'm not sure I'm saying the Chiefs should sign Colin Kaepernick. But what I am saying is that Andy Reid is really one of the only coaches I can imagine, maybe Bill Belichick, but Belichick really wouldn't want all the attention that comes along with it. But I think Andy Reid, as witnessed by signing Michael Vick after he got out of jail, is one of the few coaches that would, wouldn't be afraid of signing Colin Kaepernick. And you combine that with the fact that Andy Reid is creative enough that he could design an offense around Colin Kaepernick's skill set, which I don't know that we know what it is right now after three years, but he could really run back when the last time we saw him play. He's got a good arm. They have Tyreek Hill. They already introduced a bunch of college concepts there in Kansas City. This is the one situation, because he doesn't make sense as a backup, right? He doesn't. But if you think he's going to start and can give you a better chance to go in the playoffs and maybe do some damage than Matt Moore. This is really one of the only situations, if not the only situation, Dave, I can think of where I think Colin Kaepernick could make some sense 
and that Andy Reid would strongly consider it. I cannot believe we both agree that Colin Kaepernick could fit this situation. Look, I also think it's a bad look for the Chiefs, given the risks you've taken on personal guys like Tyreek Hill. No problem with what went on with his young child and his wife and, and the risk they took on him out of college. Unless, of course, it's strictly concerns about his age or his athleticism today, you would hope it's not the taking a knee that would keep Kansas City from signing Colin Kaepernick. It will be an interesting time to see what the Chiefs do. They're going to need to make some kind of move, and there are a few options out there on the trade market. All right, yeah, let's you talk know about what? some baseball. Yep, I mean, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, other names that come to mind, you mentioned Keenum. You know, mm -hmm. maybe Marcus Mariota. Um, you know, Tennessee might be willing to move on from him. What I don't know. Was Andy Reid the coach? Yeah, he was. Andy Reid was the coach when Mariota won a playoff game for the Titans in Kansas City. So maybe Andy Reid says Mariota will be good in my system. The issue is how he is in Tennessee's system. Uh, you mentioned Keenum. Maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, maybe Andy Reid. You know, the thing that should be noted here is how many times the Eagles still made the playoffs and at times won playoff games with their backup quarterbacks over the years during the Andy Reid era. I mean, A.J. Feely, Jeff Garcia, Kevin Cobb, Michael Vick when he was the backup. I mean, they have Andy Reid. I think there was a stat, Dave, that in the last, since like 2005, the Eagles had one year in which the starting quarterback played all 16 games. One, No, two. It was McNabb in 08 and Carson Wentz in 2016. Twice since 2005, the Eagles had that. And they made the playoffs mm. a lot. And a lot of times it was a Garcia type or a Cobb or an A.J. Feely. So uh, don't write the Chiefs off yet, but I am curious to see who he feels like is his best option. Maybe he feels like Fitz is the... Uh, the swashbuckling veteran he needs to come in there. Because, you know, the one thing about Fitz is he's not afraid to throw it and throw it deep. So you get Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill out there, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Fitz might just go bananas. Well, boy, would that be interesting to acquire a current starting quarterback because Fitz, of course, back in the starting role, Rosen back to the bench. That would confirm the tanking rumors. But look, if they could get something for him, it sure would make sense. It'll be an interesting couple of days in Kansas City, as it will be in New York, because the Yankees, they are very much on the ropes. Down three games to one after an 8-3 pounding by the Houston Astros last night at the stadium. Let's talk about it with Kevin Millar, the host of Intentional Talk on MLB Network. Kev, good to see you. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker, failed opportunities for the Yankees has been the theme. It's not the pitching. It's not the weather. 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position last two games. What do you make of it? Yeah, the bottom line is they're not hitting with runners in scoring position, right? You looked at bases loaded. You looked at Zach Granke kind of not giving in. And I thought he did a great job when he got in trouble not to give in in the 2-0 hitters counts, not to give in in the 3-1 hitters counts. He actually walked in a run. And you felt like they're, they're, they're a double away from making this game a 5 nothing game and they couldn't get the big hit. So I think, I mean, Zach looked a lot better than he did. You know, we saw him in Tampa struggle uh, against the Rays, and then we saw him, you know, look okay 
before, but now I thought he looked good. I thought he had command of his stuff, you know, in, in a night that where he was wiggling out of trouble all night long. And so you got to tip your hat to him. And the Yankees' bats have not come through with traffic on the bases. So, Kev, I have a bunch of baseball questions, but as I'm in my hotel room before I call a college football game tomorrow, I'm looking – where – did you buy the Taj Mahal? Did you and your family <laughs> buy the Taj Mahal? I, I mean, what am I looking at behind you? I mean, I hate your guts. Every time we talk to you, that? you're either at the country club and you're about to golf, or you're outside by your fire pit with your pool. Now at the inside of your house – you you bought the Taj Mahal. You have more pillars in your house than we have in my whole hometown. I mean, you I, have hey, like granite I'm, pillars in your house. What the hell is that? I'm gonna tell you something right now. I'm gonna tell you something. See these pillars right here? They ruined. I used to have I used to have a that pillar back there. It was our was our basketball goal. And it would it would ruin the in, indoor basketball with me and the boys. And then the pillars would kind of stub your toes. So it actually, the pillars are no bueno. I've, I've been trying to get rid of these things. But yeah, Texas is a lot cheaper to live than you guys living up there on that East Coast. It's expensive up there. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I love for people, for people that are just listening on the radio.com app, radio.com slash home. Hopefully we'll post this clip to social media. You got to check it out. The dude has 15 pillars in his kitchen. I've never seen. I've never seen that in my life. You got to give us a tour, man. Hey, so let me ask you though. To piggyback off of uh, Briggs' question, I know we don't like to use this term in sports or whatever, but with the scoring position stuff for the Yankees, the last few games, I I had zero and fourteen since like whatever inning it was a few games ago. Is this choking? I mean, they're good hitters, and they're getting some hits, but not when guys are in score. Is this is this honest? Is this choking? If we're being honest, no, 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 it's not choking. So, th- th- this is what's funny. On this stage, you're only facing the best, right? So we always go back to like, how does Clayton Kershaw struggle in the postseason? Coming in this game, Zach Granke has just really struggled in the postseason. This is the problem. You're facing all of the teams during the regular season. So you're going to put up big time numbers against your teams that are deflated against the Detroit Tigers. who barely won 55 games this year. You have the Marlins that are rebuilding. So we have a lot of that Seattle and you're playing on those teams that are struggle bunnies, but then you get to the postseason. These are the big boys. It goes that way. Offensively. Also you're facing Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander and Zach Granke. But yet we're going to sit here and say, Gary Sanchez is struggling. He's over 10. What? Struggling. I mean, Garrett Cole hasn't lost since it feels like May. I mean, he's like on a, his 26 starts. He's 19 and 0 with it. I mean, this guy's been unbelievable. He's going to have $247 million at some point in this offseason. Life's going to be good. He'll be out there on the West Coast near UCLA where he went to college. But when I talk about like struggling or choking, I can't say that. There's just some good pitchers out there. And there's some, you got to tip your hat. Well, sometimes we, I guess put a lot of emphasis on the team that loses instead of giving some credit to the team that, you know what, it's not easy to win in Yankee Stadium. The Yankees play well at home, and for the Astros to walk right on in there and then take two games right away, that's a big deal. You know, that's a big deal. So tip your hat to the Astros. 
You played for the Red Sox, man. Don't give me that crap. They are 0-10 in their last two games at home and runners in scoring position and four for their last 23. And you want to tell me they're not choking. Ross had that one, right? Hey, I, I can't say choking though. How, how do you choke? How do you choke up Garrett Cole? It's 101 miles an hour oh. with breaking balls on the corner. By the way, last night, he didn't was pitch the last night. Umpire. No, I, I correct. Hitters umpire last night. I was just using an example with Cole. Cause he's in this equation. He pitched the day before and you guys are using joking. I mean, this isn't like choking. I mean, they hit 300 huh. home runs and they're the mighty Yankees. So you think what someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. We thought we'd see a seven-game series, didn't we? We thought the must-win game was for the Garrett Cole start, then the Yankees should take these next two, and then we'll go back into six and seven, and here we go. But that's not happening. So last night, you tip your hat to the to the uh, to the Astros, and you say, "Yeah, Yankees have not hit with runners in scoring position." There's no other way to talk about it other than they haven't got the big two-out hit with bases loaded or runners on base. Is this series over, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah, I think the series is over because you got to be now. You got to beat Verlander and Garrett Cole. Astros got to win one game, and the Yankees got to win three straight. Can it be done? Of course, it can be done. We saw it be done in 04 when we went four straight. But there's teams that are different, and I don't know. You know, I will say this: the consistency and the tinkering in the postseason doesn't make sense to me. I will say that when you roll with the boys, you go with the boys. You're going to ride or die. Period. End of story. The lineups and dropping this guy and Garver's hitting third. Now we got Hicks hitting third and Glaber should be in fifth. And fifth. I'm like, bro, what what made you win 106 games? I mean, they didn't take out George Springer. They didn't take out George Springer when he was struggling because you know what? He's one swing away from hitting a two to three run home run. I just think there's a lot of tinkering going on and then the inconsistency of the bats. Maybe you can call if you guys like the word choke, then we can do that. Well, they did make four errors. You are a championship caliber team and Glaber Torres a pair, DJ LeMay, you are a pair. Baseball. They, they, baseball. Okay, okay, but this An is error, a loss. A strikeout, a loss, a pop up to third. Those are all part of a home run, a double, sure. a single. So if, you, if you've watched the game, the you, errors are part of baseball. You're going to get a bad hop. It's not choking. I mean, Bill Buckner, the guy couldn't live in Boston for 20 years because what? A ball went through his mm. legs. It's a human factor. We make mistakes. We've told Tony Romo bobble the snap. Now he's a loser the whole his whole life. No, he's winning in life. He's a great golfer. He's rich. He's living in Dallas, and you can't pay him enough to be a broadcaster. Back to you, Dave. Okay. Well, <laughs> the Yankees can't come through in the clutch. Apparently, they're not chokers. So Kevin lose. Millar is certainly a lot so nicer than, than than I recall. So let's talk about the Astros then. And you mentioned George Springer. He's hitting 132 in the postseason. How do you account for this guy having hit? 13 postseason home runs. That's as many as Chipper Jones and Alex Rodriguez, let alone Carlos Correa, who at 25 years old has already hit 10 postseason home runs. They are the opposite of this Yankees team. Every bit of clutch gene in these guys. Yeah, but I'm a, it starts off with the top of the lineup, right? George Springer feels like the guy that if they go, if he goes, they go. But what a threat to have at the top of the line. He's like a Ricky Henderson in his prime. I mean, you know, guy, guy's got 35 to 40 home run power, and you guys start there. And, uh, I, you know, his bats have been okay. His results haven't been great. But then all of a sudden you look up, and he's going to have three or four home runs this postseason, get hot for the World Series if they advance, and he's going to MVP again. You see the same strips. The strips go like that. You know, you get a four-strikeout game. The sky is falling. And next thing you know, he wins MVP in the World Series. This is George Springer at his best.
I mean, is that is that Kev basically the difference in the series? I know it's about pitching, and I'll get to that. But is the difference in the series just that the Astros have hit better and been more clutch than the Yankees, even though that was supposed to be the Yankees' deal? Yeah, but you, I, I can't say enough. When we went into this game, this match, these are the two best teams in baseball. Period. I mean, they're the big heavy heavy heavyweights. So it's like you know, this is a Vander Mike Tyson. Here you go. And I think a lot it's been like that in the All-Star game with the American League and the National League. It seems like the big boys win the National, I mean, the, Amer- the All-Star game every year. So here we are. There's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. And then it shows like us, we could talk about what happened. What's happened is the Yankees haven't hit. There's no secret chemistry. There's no like, oh my God, they're going to try harder tonight. They might get beat tonight and the series might be over. They might find a way to scrap tonight and, and, and get a W. And then you're rolling back into Houston trying to win a game. This isn't rocket. This is just they either got to hit or they don't hit. If they don't hit, they don't win. So, Kev, my grandfather, who played baseball in the 30s in high school, he used to tell me my whole life growing up, Rooster, it's a long story why I call me Rooster, but Rooster, it's all (laughs) about pitching. It's all about pitching. And I'm just looking at what the World Series is going to be between the Astros with Cole as well as Verlander, and the Nationals with Scherzer and Strasburg, is it is it simplifying it too much for me to just say it's all about pitching, the teams with the best pitching are going to be the teams in the World Series? Well, it's funny because, right, this year we broke every offensive category possible. Right? We've talked about all the home runs, and Minnesota's hit 300 and whatever home runs, and the Yankees. So we thought going into this postseason we're going to see a bunch of home runs, and it's going to be crazy. It hasn't been that way. It hasn't been that way. Good pitching has stopped good hitting, period. And you see high velocity. We saw the the raised bullpen coming in. We didn't know who these guys were. Everybody's like, holy cow. This is what goes on when you have power in the postseason. We're seeing power, and the lack of power, you know, gets hit around a little bit. Makes it that much more interesting. Yeah, who who just made the cameo there, Kev? I saw someone uh, someone saying hello. That's my oldest. Hey. These are the twins. This is, you can say what's up. That's Cash. And What's up, Kylie. Cash? Kylie. And Kylie. Where'd Kylie go? Hello, hello, oh, guys, up, and welcome. Hey, Kev, Kylie. Kev, Kylie, don't run into one going? of the pillars. Be careful. Look out for the pillars. <laughs> hey, was... Don't run the pillars on your way out of the door. <laughs> I was telling them about the pillars. We're messing up our our basketball hoops, so they're, they're laughing at our pillars. <laughs> it's so a beautiful home, man. Down. It's like hey, a hotel. What, We're gonna. Kev, in, all, in all sincerity, okay. When they're in high school and they're in college, they, they might run into some of those pillars stumbling when they come home late at night. Those pillars, <laughs> hey. you might not have to have security cameras. Those pillars might be perfect for you to know if they if they had too big of a night when they're in high school and college. Maybe dad's done that a few times, you know, the, the stub toes <laughs> trying to sneak in. <laughs> I'm sure you've been there. Hey, man, I know um, – I know you appreciate what CC Sabathia has done for this game and for that organization. It looked like his last moment may have come last night. Can you just tell us what he's meant to the organization and to the game? Yeah, you know, he's an ambassador, period. He, he's been an ambassador of baseball since the day he's been in this game. He's got a wonderful, wonderful heart, the smile. You gravitate to a CC Sabathia. This is before all the accolades. This is a future Hall of Famer. He's been everything to baseball. He really has. I mean, uh, from the African-American side, ambassador side, he is an unbelievable person. 
And I'll tell you what, there's not a – it's the one thing, like, he's like the big poppy of the Yankees. Like, you just can't dislike big poppy. Even if he played for the Red Sox, but he still had this heart of go. like, when you saw him, he's going to sign in every autograph. He's going to take every picture. He's going to make you feel comfortable. That's kind of who CeCe is. If you could go in in a battle, bases loaded, you know, seventh inning, and, you know, he'd be the first one to buy your dinner after the, after the game. And he'd be the first one to drill you if he had to drill you. He plays the game the right way, man. And I think it's just you, you tip your hat to a guy like that. And, and we, we're going to be sad as fans when you lose a guy like CeCe Sabathia. It's just you, you want him to play that are 100. Kev, last one for me. How important is it that the Astros win tonight with Verlander so that Cole starts game one of the series? Yeah, it's interesting. It's a great question because you kind of assume, like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Why are they pitching Verlander? Why wouldn't they just go and wait to pitch Verlander Cole? You don't want that. I like where AJ's at. Pitch, get your best pitchers in the game. Get them in the game. And you know what? They're going to go try to win a game night. If they don't, there's going to be some, you know, what do we do? We pitch Cole game six, wait to game seven, bullpen community. You know, it'll be interesting. So I think must win. All right, one last question. It's re- related to Justin Verlander. Bleach reported an interesting story about the friendship that's developed between he and Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans' incredibly talented and bright young quarterback. Uh, Verlander said, I was blown away after meeting him the first time, his demeanor, how smart he was, his charisma. What's the one NFL athlete Kevin Millar wants to hang out with? Uh, I mean, obviously, Tom Brady's an easy selection. I've, I've hung out with Tom Brady. He's a wonderful human being, too. He's like Santa Claus, though. You just don't get a chance to see him a whole lot. Uh, so I always joke around with him and Jeter. They're like the, the – you, you gravitate to those guys because of their greatness. But since we've done that, to answer that question now, man, it's funny. You, you see these guys. Aaron Rodgers is awesome. You know, I just love the great ones at their sport. Steph Curry, those guys. But I'd say Aaron Rodgers. I haven't really had a chance to really kind of hang out with him and just kind of pick his brain because that's the best back shoulder passer I've ever seen in this game. All right, we got to make that happen. Millar and Aaron Rodgers, maybe Danica Patrick can hang out with you guys. That that's sounds right. like a good time. <laughs> I'll, I'll serve drinks and we'll have all your pillars all around. Kevin Millar, MLB Network, <laughs> Intentional Talk. Good to see you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of the ALCS. We'll talk to you about that World Series next week. All right, boys. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll bring in Carrington Harrison from Kansas City to get the latest on Patrick Mahomes' injured knee and also some pointed words from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver about what the Chinese government wanted him to do and what he said absolutely not to. That's after a quick break here on Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.